Let us together now say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading is taken from John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 12. It is Jesus speaking. And the scripture says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is Jesus teaching in the temple. Actually, he was in the chamber of the temple where the treasury was. This is where the people came to give their tithes and their alms to the Lord and to the temple and for its maintenance. And Jesus often went to this place and observed people as they came. And here he confronts a large group of the leaders, the Pharisees, and he makes this claim, I am the light of the world. And that's what we're looking at this Holy Week are the claims of Christ that are known as the I am sayings, where Jesus says, I am, and then he tells us, something about himself. The particular one we have before us today is the one where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Interesting thing about the gospel of John, and that is that often John will write his gospel using a tremendous literary device in which he pairs a sign or a miracle with one of the sayings of Jesus, an I am saying. For example, he fed 5,000 and he said, I'm the bread of life. He met a woman at the well and he said, I am the water of life and, and so forth. And you'll hear some of those this week. In this instance, Jesus heals a blind man, gives back his sight, a man who had indeed walked in darkness. And Jesus gives him back his sight. And in the next chapter, chapter nine, he will explain more about what he means by, I am the light of the world. The important thing to remember about Christ being the light of the world is that Christ is the exact representation of the one true God, the true God that is invisible and eternal over all the earth. And Jesus makes him known. He manifests himself. The Old Testament over and over tells us God is light as to his essence. In fact, it says the light that we have that's created by God, the sun and the moon and the stars, the heavenly bodies, are light that simply shroud or, or cover God. God's light is so bright that it must be clouded. It must be shrouded by light itself. And we find that this is exactly what happened in the very beginning. We only read into three verses in the Bible in Genesis 
where we see the Lord on the very first day of creation saying, let there be light. Because you see, darkness was the primal state before the creation. The earth was without form. It was void. It was nothing. It was empty. It was absolutely dark. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And into that darkness, God spoke. And he said, let there be light. John says in his letter that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So when Christ made the claim that he was the light of the world, he was embodying in that claim a lot of things. One, he was saying, I am the word of God that speaks, that says, let there be light. And I am the very light of God that comes into a dark world. In fact, darkness is the human condition before the new creation, as well as the original creation. Before the new creation, when all things are made new in Christ, there is darkness in the earth. The human condition is one of depression, disaster, despondency, desperation, despair, and yes, even disease. In fact, it all points really to a doom. That's the realistic condition. Sin reigns in darkness. The whole world dwells in darkness. That's the spiritual condition of humanity. And Christ, Jesus, came into this dark world. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry, Isaiah says in prophecy that the people that sit in darkness have seen a great light. Those lying in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And John, in the very beginning of this gospel that we're reading, he says, light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ entered into this dark condition of humanity, this condition of sin, this condition of dread, this condition of doom, because the wages of sin is death. The outcome of our sin, our disobedience to God, our lack of conformity to his will, our running from him, our hatred of him, our rebellion toward him, our avoidance of him, all of that, the scripture says, is sin. Jesus came into a dark, sinful world. Christ has stepped into this darkness for a purpose. He came into this darkness to bring light, to bring the light of life into our dark, sinful, diseased, and desperate condition. That's what the cross is. The crucifixion of Christ is Christ entering to that darkness physically and literally. When Christ died, there was a solar eclipse. There was darkness upon the face of the earth at midday. 
blackness, darkness, physical darkness. But even more importantly, there was a psychological and a spiritual darkness because Jesus hanging there on that cross was bearing the sins of his people. He was paying the penalty for their sin. He was redeeming them with the price of his own blood. And as he hung on that cross, Jesus suffered the outer darkness of God's wrath. God's wrath is tuned toward us because we will not tuned toward him. And that's what the ultimate outcome is. If we don't want God, if we have nothing to do with God, if we run from God, if we will not come to the Lord, then finally in the final analysis, he will give us our wish. He will grant us the desire of our heart. He will leave us alone. He will turn his back and we will be in outer darkness. And this is the condition that Christ met on the cross. As he bore our sin, the Lord, whose two pure eyes to behold iniquity, could not look upon him and turned his back. That's why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he was in that place of utter and outer darkness. Jesus endured that outer darkness for us. On our behalf, he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And what does that constitute? That really constitutes a gospel story. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge and of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." Notice the second half of our text. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John said in the very first chapter of this gospel, in Christ was life and life is the light of humanity. Christ is the light of humanity. He opens up the light of God, giving a great ray, a great beam into the human condition. And what he bids us do is to come to that light, to come to Christ, the light of the world, to hear him as he opens our eyes and we're able to behold marvelous things, as he gives us the warmth of his presence as he gives us the, the light that gives life to the earth as the sun does, so does the Father give light and life to us. Let us come to this light.